even further back from that, I am naturally a pretty introverted person. So leading a team, leading a company is not something I would have said, oh, that, that's what I'm going to go do. You know, I often, when I was younger, thought I would be kind of the, the lone wolf engineer out in, in some remote place solving problems and, and doing something more along those lines. In this episode, I'm joined by Tim Harsh, CEO and co-founder of Valor, a business insights company bringing transparency to private businesses around the world. After joining the company as an associate product manager at a college, Tim's relentless work ethic and technical expertise led him to become the CEO of the company all before his 30th birthday. We talked through the many use cases of Valor, why Tim never pictured himself leading a company, and keeping perspective on the different tiers of challenges in life. Hope you enjoy. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. So for listeners, Tim is the CEO and co-founder of Owler, a business insights company based in San Mateo, California. Uh, but Tim, what most people may not know is that Owler is not actually your first company. Can you tell our listeners about the first company you ever started and any takeaways you might have had from that experience? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I started a website building company and largely it was started out of curiosity of how does one go about building websites? I had an interest in engineering and also an entrepreneurial bent and was really interested in that process of creation. So I found some folks in my local area that needed websites for their local businesses, helped build those and actually ran that business partway through college before getting into some other things. So you know, good, good experience that really made me realize kind of my curiosity for building things and the, the pleasure you can get out of that process of creation. That's great. So you end up going to, to Dartmouth for college, during which time you continue to run this website building business and you major in electrical engineering. Can you tell us the story about how you initially got linked up with Jim Fowler? Yeah. So one of my goals going into college was to figure out, you know, what I wanted to go do uh, longer term with my life. And coming to the end of my freshman year, I knew I wanted to come out to Silicon Valley and see what it was like. I had grown up a little bit in Colorado and then mostly on the East Coast in Rhode Island. And you just have this this sense of the West Coast, Silicon Valley. It's this mythical place for creating amazing businesses. And I really wanted to go explore that. So fortunately for me, my sister had actually given a tour of Dartmouth because she was there a few years ahead of me to a gentleman named Jeff Crow, who is a venture capitalist here in the Valley and an alum of Dartmouth. And she connected me with Jeff and Jeff had recently invested in a company out here called Jigsaw. And Jigsaw was founded and led by Jim Fowler, who Jeff connected me with. I spoke with Jim. We hit it off. He said, hey, you should come work for us. By the way, it's going to be minimum wage, but you'll get a sense for the valley. So I flew out, lived on my buddy's futon couch for the summer in, in the living room of his house and just fell in love with it and worked on the community and then product teams at Jigsaw. But it was all thanks to a really nice intro from my sister and then the generosity of Jeff introing me to Jim and Jim taking a chance on me. So very fortuitous set of events along the way. And that's a chance that would appear to have certainly worked out over time, both for, for you and for the company. But I guess for our listeners, can you speak a little bit to what Allard does, Tim, and how your role at the company has evolved over time? 
Yeah. So what Outler does is at our core, our mission is to bring transparency to private businesses around the world. And so that encompasses capturing all the news and events around businesses, as well as metrics like revenue and employees and who the CEO is. All the information that you would typically think of in a Yahoo Finance or a Google Finance on public companies, but the 13 million companies that we cover today that are private Mm -hmm. and not the public companies. And there's not as much information available on them. So we go about that through crowdsourcing and actually leveraging this community of three and a half million members to bring in information on these companies that you couldn't find anywhere else. So you guys are crowdsourcing these insights. I would imagine these insights are pulled from a couple different places in a couple different ways. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah. So the magic really happens in how we combine inputs from the community with best in class technology that goes out and crawls the web, but also our own internal data team. So we actually have a data team of 70 folks over in India and they are working to curate the half a million new inputs that come from the community every month, as well as the millions of inputs that come from technology every month and ensure those are high quality. And especially the crowdsourcing side of it is one of our biggest differentiators in that we ask these really simple questions. So it's not like Wikipedia or something like that, where you're writing paragraphs of information, we would simply ask you and say, you know, hey, Asher, do you think this revenue number is right? Or do you think this employee number is right? Or is this the correct headquarters address for that company? And the value isn't in one person's response necessarily. It's in the combination of 500 people saying, yeah, you know, $20 million is a great estimate for the revenue of this little startup or something else along those lines. That makes sense. And I know you mentioned you guys do have 70 plus folks from Aller based in India. I'm curious, have you run into any challenges running a distributed team or have there been any learnings there, takeaways working with this team halfway across the world? Yeah, so a whole bunch. We've had that team from the very beginning of the company. So we've had over eight and a half years to learn from that and figure out how to do it well. And it's something we continue to learn as we go along. Some of the biggest challenges are the time difference and the fact that depending on daylight savings time, it's either 11 and a half or 13 and a half hours apart from us. And that makes it really challenging because just as you're ready to you know, sit down to dinner, it's the start of the day over there and vice versa. And so that was something that we've had to adjust to over time. And how do we operate more asynchronously as a company and not require those all hands meetings at various times? But then also it's really highlighted the importance of communication and written communication that everyone can react to, read in their own time and understand deeply without having to stay up really late or wake up really early. And in hindsight, it all sounds very clean, but I remember calls at three, four in the morning and you know, waking up really groggy, trying to make all that happen. And it's definitely been a learning process along the way. Yeah, I'm sure in practice, you have these hard won lessons that you've, you've gained over time. So as someone who's become the CEO of a company before the age of 30, this is obviously a pretty quick ascent to the top of the pyramid. Is there anything you've learned along the way, Tim, or mistakes you've made as they pertain to running a company or learning how to manage people? Yeah. So at Owler, I was actually first an associate product manager. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate to come in and work on 
product management and specifically with a technical background, which allowed me to interface really well with uh, the engineering team, but also deeply understand our customers. And I think that's one of the key things that really has led me to the path that I've had is you, know, you often hear that, that product management executives turn into CEOs more than other roles. And that's because those are the folks who are closest to the customer and really understand what their needs are, what they value. And ultimately, my view on being a CEO is obviously you're, you're leading the company, but at the end of the day, you're serving your customers and you need to be able to do that really well and make decisions that are going to provide even more value for them. So my path along the way was up through the product ranks, ultimately leading the product team, growing and hiring within the product team, and then about a year and a half ago, becoming CEO. But really, it's all come back to that deep connection with customers and being able to provide value and lead the business along the way down that path. And there's certainly a lot of talk in terms of who's kind of the best person to lead a tech company. You know, is it someone with a product background? Is it someone technical or non-technical? But it sounds like your technical background has definitely served you well, at least in running Aller. So I think that's great. But Tim, you've now been with, with Aller for almost nine years now, which in this day and age of two-year stints at different companies feels pretty uncommon, particularly in the world of tech. How have you maintained the focus to work on this single problem set for eight plus years now? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I mean, I certainly look around at a lot of folks that I know that have been at four or five different companies in that time. And there's something interesting about that of being able to look at a bunch of different problems and see the similarities between them and leverage those learnings. For me, what I've found really interesting is the problem we're solving is very big. We're trying to bring transparency to millions of companies and ultimately every company globally. And we have solved a tiny, tiny fraction of that today and still have so far to go. So even though it's been this long road, I still feel like there's so much ahead for us to go and tackle and improve upon and continue to provide more value for our customers. And also what, what I'll say is we have an amazing team. And so that is so critical to get to work with people that I really like and really enjoy going in and, and spending time with, or these days being remote with mm -hmm. and moving the needle together, which is really, really fun. Yeah. So I guess switching gears here a bit, I'm curious about this. I know you compete in triathlons, Tim. How have you balanced this with your day-to-day -day responsibilities at work, which I'm sure are pretty numerous as the CEO and co-founder of the company? Yeah. So full disclosure, I'm on hiatus from <laughs> triathlons for the time being. Ever since becoming CEO, it's been a little harder to balance all of that. There certainly are people that, that do do that really well. And I admire that. For me, I've had to scale back my training a little bit and well, I still do structured workouts, the 15 to 20 hours a week that it takes to compete even semi-effectively, which I won't even say I ever did, but to really compete at the half Ironman distance, which I was doing, I just don't have time for at the moment. So that has shifted to more of something I want to get back to in the future, but do have some consistency in other workouts for the time being. Gotcha. So I guess more of a broad question here, Tim, uh, but how similar or different is your life today from what you thought it would look like at this age growing up? And in a similar vein, what do you want your life to look like 10 years from now? Yeah, so I never in a million years as a kid would have thought I would be doing what I'm doing now. Even actually when I was back at Jigsaw working with Jim then, I remember, I think I even said this, Jim, oh, there's 
no way I'll be in the data industry down the road. And, you know, now 12 years later after Jigsaw, here I am at Owler in the data business. But even further back from that, I am naturally a pretty introverted person. So leading a team, leading a company is not something I would have said, oh, that, that's what I'm going to go do. You know, I often, when I was younger, thought I would be kind of the, the lone wolf engineer out in, in some remote place solving problems and, and doing something more along those lines. But it's something that's been very fulfilling. And one of the biggest takeaways for me in this journey has been just the importance of the people around you and being able to ask them for help and also learn from them as you're kind of all growing together as a team. But looking towards the future, I really like working on a problem together in that team model and trying to solve something that doesn't have an easy, you know, hey, a year from now, we're going to have this solved. Five years from now, we're going to have this solved. This is a you know, large intractable problem that's going to take maybe decades, maybe longer to really make a dent in. So I think down the road, that's something that I'd like to continue to be involved in you know, you guys are attacking this large complex problem and you have great ownership over your team's ultimate success or failure. So I can see how that's, that's very meaningful work. I guess just with respect to the business, is there anything on Aller's roadmap or any place that you'd like to see the business go five, 10 years down the road or in the not too distant future? Yeah. So for sales teams to do their job effectively, they need to know more about the companies that they're interacting with. For marketers, to know how to market effectively. They need to understand what's going on in their, their industry with their competitors. And with just anyone generally at a company at any role, you, know, you need to know what's going on, not only with your company, but what's going on in your industry. And so ultimately, I think Owler can be a platform for providing that information and that transparency to people across roles, across industries and across languages. Today, we're still English only, but we're thrilled to have millions of members on the platform every month. We think that this can be something that literally every business person in the world ultimately signs into and leverages to make their jobs easier and to be better informed about their day-to-day and ultimately save them time. And we are, again, just a one step along that path. So still have a long ways to go there. Yeah. And obviously a massive total addressable market. If you're thinking through, we want this to be used by every business professional in the world. I'm curious though, are there any particular use cases that you've seen for Aller more so than others? You know, is this used by marketing professionals? Is this used by folks in sales? Or is this something that really universally can be used by anyone working in a business setting, looking for more insights on a private company? Yeah. So the traditional Use cases of Valor are definitely the, the sales teams wanting to know what's going on with my prospects, what's going on with my current accounts, which wow. also drifts into customer success. And that's, our, that's about 40% of, of our members today. And then another 20% are marketers where people really want to understand what's going on in my segment, what's going on with my competitors. But we've been blown away. And I've personally been blown away by the creative use cases that people come up with. You know, we've actually seen a community self-develop within the forestry industry of all, of all things, which is an industry I know zero about, but it's been fascinating to see, oh, okay, there's, there's not really any resource out there to understand that industry well. And sure, you have these 
these segmented industry newsletters and things like that. But to really understand it at a broader level and interact with other members of that industry, there's nothing else out there like that. And so it's been really exciting to see some of those use cases emerge as well. And and even within the investment space, I mean, it's not something that we ever aspired to do was to be a resource for investors, whether it's private equity or venture capital or even individual investors. But that has also kind of self-developed as we've seen people come in and say, oh, this is actually really valuable to understand what's going on with my investments and the companies I really care about. So it's, it's really fun to watch some of those dynamics play out. Yeah, I guess just reading about Aller online, I certainly would not have predicted that the forestry industry is a right. you'd see this, <laughs> but it's great. It's so widely applicable. <laughs> so Tim, just the, uh, the last question that Ethan and I like to ask all our guests on the show, what are some of your favorite books and podcasts and how have they changed the way that you view the world? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. You had Eric Jorgensen on the podcast and one of the things that he spoke about that that I really admire is what he's done with Evergreen and in curating topics for people to really dive in and understand something deeply. And I am a very naturally curious person. So the books and the the resources that as I was thinking about this question that I was looking at all kind of fall within these different weird buckets that that seem very eclectic. But a few that I'll throw out that have really changed the way I've thought about things. One is is the Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama. And that really changed my perspective on perseverance. And Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who's also uh, prominent in the book, you know, they've gone through such hardship and such challenge and have such joyful perspectives on life is just really incredible. So that's certainly one. And along those same lines, Endurance by Alfred Lansing, all about persevering in the Arctic and being able to have that persistence. It just puts everything else in perspective. You know, no challenge that we're facing in our day to day in today's world comes close generally. So it, it really helps to frame that and just realize the different tiers of challenge that exist. And, you know, the other one that I'd highlight would just be, and this is a totally different ballpark, but secondhand by Adam Mintner, all about modern day recycling and trash and the ecosystem that exists around that. And just the fact that we've become so accustomed really over the last 60 years to throwing things out and not having things be repairable. So when I was in college, I studied electrical engineering and even a decade ago, there were so many electronics you could repair. So much of what we make now is glued together for one-time use and not repairable. And so that has really recently shifted my mindset about, you know, just multi-use and recycling and the creation of goods that is going on today and, and how short-term focused that all is. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I know nothing about this space and I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I intuitively think it should be the opposite, right? We should have gone from a way in which we're able to use things a single time and move towards multi-use cases, but it sounds like it's been the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really fascinating read. I'd highly recommend it. That's great. Those three books have not been recommended to me by anyone else. So I'm definitely going to have to check those out. So Tim, lastly, where can our listeners find you? Sure. So I'm not super active on social media. I am on LinkedIn, but obviously the, the number one thing I'd recommend would be Owler. And I'm just Tim at, at Owler.com if anyone wants to shoot me an email. Great. We will definitely link to that in the show notes. Tim, thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. 
the National Elite Tyson with Worth. You can find show notes below or at worth.card.co. That's card with two R's. Thanks for your time.